All right. Good uh, morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? It's uh, great to be together uh, this, uh, this morning. It's great to have uh, the teen ministry here with us, hanging out, having a good time. It's great to have the family life ministry uh, all together. And uh, my wife and I are very grateful. My wife, Anna, and I, we work with the family life ministry here in the Lighthouse Church of Christ. And we're so grateful to be able to serve uh, full time and be able to, to help and encourage and any way that we can help to, to make your lives better. Um, that's really what we're here to do, um, to help you spiritually and help us grow toward our relationship with God. Today we're going to be talking about icebreakers part two. Last week, uh, Chris Boyer in the foyer, um, he, uh, he talked about icebreakers part one and, and talked about just, uh, you know, the need for conversation. And uh, I'll share a little bit about that here in a second. But we want to welcome all of those who are visiting with us this morning. You know, the summertime, it's a time where people are, you know, going on vacation, coming in, coming out. There's, there's several of, uh, families that are not here today. But if you're visiting with us, we just want to say a special welcome to you. Uh, we're so grateful that you've chosen to be here with us. You could have chosen anywhere else to be, uh, but you're, you chose to be with us today. So um, for those of you who are online, um, I want to wish you a very uh, nice welcome as well. I think uh, Peter and Laura, they're on vacation right now in Florida. So I want everybody in the front here to turn around. And I want you to say, hey, Pete. Hey, Laura. <laughs> All right, very good. So hopefully they'll turn it off. Now, so I need you guys to act really good. Okay, really be behind me today. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, it is awesome to be able to talk about this topic, icebreakers. And uh, if you missed last week's message, you can go to our website, lighthousechurch.org, or .com rather, and you can go and check out all the different messages that we have online. If you uh, have a relative or a, a coworker or a friend uh, that you feel like would benefit uh, from hearing some of these messages, you can check it out right on our website right there. You know, talking about icebreakers in this series, and today we're going to be talking about the ultimate icebreaker. So you think about the different types of icebreakers that you may have participated in. You know, whether you've been at work and it's kind of team building icebreakers. We're going to talk about something that is the ultimate icebreaker. And if you allow it, if you allow what we're going to talk about today to impact you, it can change your life forever. It is the ultimate icebreaker. You know, I love my family. We love going to the movies. Is there any movie lovers here? And now that the, the summer is here, there's some really good movies out. Yeah. There's some really awesome, exciting movies out. You know, we got Superman. We got, you know, World War Z. Really spiritual, deep meanings going on in that movie. You know, we got Monsters, University, you know, just an awesome, yeah, all right, the kids like that movie, that's cool. Uh, just got some great movies, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I love, I love, you know, watching the movies, but I also like looking for different themes in, inside the movie. And today, with the ultimate icebreaker, there are a few movies that I picked that really helped demonstrate the ultimate Icebreaker, all right? So, check this out. You guys remember this movie? Yeah. Braveheart. 
all right? So I picked, guy, I picked movies that guys would like really be into, okay? You're not gonna see any still magnolias up here, okay? <laughs> well, actually one of the movies probably the women will like that I picked. But uh, in this movie, Braveheart, you know, this movie came out, this movie, I actually used a lot of the soundtrack in my wedding. Uh, many, many years ago. I just loved this movie. I saw this movie probably 15 times. It was just so powerful. And if you remember the story of William Wallace, and he was a warrior, and he was someone that really believed in his country and fighting for his country, and he fell in love. As all movies, usually that usually happens. There's a love story in there. And he falls in love with this woman and, his, and the woman's parents. All that they were concerned about was making sure that William protected and took care of their daughter. That's all that they were really concerned about with William because William was like all over the place trying to protect everything else. But they wanted to make sure that he was going to be someone that protected their daughter. And if you remember in the story, they went to get, to get married and, and the, the enemy, they came and they took her away. William Wallace's wife, and they tied her up and, and the king killed her and, and sliced her throat open. And she fell there and died. And then William Wallace, he got word of this and the parents got word of this. And of course, they were devastated. And the funeral, they, they showed the funeral and all the, the different things that were going on there. And one of, the, one of the scenes that really just made me, it just left an image in my mind, was when William Wallace kneeled, kneeled before the parents. And the father was just so upset because the very thing that he had asked William to do was protect his daughter and he didn't. And there's a, the, the scene is there and William is on his knees before her father and you see, the, you see the dad reach out his hand in like anger and wanting to hit William Wallace. And his hand is clenched and then at the very end, the music is just, it's a swirling and at the very end, the, the father opens up the hand and puts his hand on William and says, I forgive you. I, it's okay. And he takes him into his family. What, this such powerful imagery. What did William Wallace expect to get? Treated badly because he didn't do what he said he would do. But the father extended what? Grace. Grace. The next movie, Les Mis. Who saw this movie? And all the girls' hands go, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I saw this movie too. And, and you know, I was, it was really just a great, a great movie, you know, if you like singing, you know. Um, the whole movie is just about, you know, it's a great story, but they're all singing to each other. And it's funny because you kind of, I, I saw online and someone trying to describe the movie. It's like you've got Wolverine. You know, and you've got the gladiator. And then you got Borat. And they're like all fighting for different things. And, but the story is really great because Jean Valjean, 
you know, he, he was someone, he, he had stolen some bread to feed his family and they went and, and they, they accused, they basically convicted him and he had to go serve in prison. He gets out and, and uh, the gladiator, um, uh, I forget the name of the movie. What was the guy's name of the movie? Well, Russell Crowe, but the actual, the actual actor, act, whatever the part, but that's fine. Um, so the Russell Crowe, he's, he's always chasing him, trying to find out where he's at. Um, and basically the bottom line at the very end, Russell Crowe ends up committing, committing uh, uh, against the law. And so his sentence is to have to go to prison. And so Jean Valjean, what does he do at the very end? Is that he actually forgives Russell Crowe, which is a powerful, powerful statement because he could have, because he, he, he disobeyed the law. He could have demanded that Russell Crowe go to jail. And the sad thing is, Russell Crowe ends up committing suicide in the very end. Um, But we see grace extended there by Jean Valjean to Russell Crowe. And then lastly, Superman. Anybody seen that movie yet? Awesome movie. It's not like like the old school Supermans, you know, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, It is a little sci-fi-y, but... um, but, it, but nonetheless, the story is always great. And in this, in this story, in the, it shows Clark Kent as a kid, and he's just uncovering all of his different powers, like his strength and his vision. He's able to see through things. And, and there were kids in his school, and maybe you can relate to this growing up, there were kids in his school that picked on him. Anybody ever pick on you as a kid? Heck yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, it's not a fun feeling. So here's Clark Kent, who has all these powers, able to, to leap a single you know, building in a single bound, all these powers as a kid, and at any moment, he could have just crushed these kids. And then at one point in the story, they're on the school bus, and they're going across a bridge, and the, bridge lo- the, the bus loses control, and the bus goes over the side, and the bus goes beneath the water. And all these little kids are on it. And the, and, and the kid that made the most fun of him was on the bus as well. And Clark, he, he gets out of the bus and ends up pushing the bus up on the land. You know, he's like 11, 12-year-old kid, pushing the bus, saving all the kids. And, and as he, he sees, he realizes that the kid that was always making fun of him was not in the bus. I know I'm kind of giving a little bit of the story away. But this is only one little part. I mean, it's a long, it's a two and a half hour movie. <laughs> and so Clark sees that the boy that was always making fun of him was no longer in the, in the bus. And so he had a decision. He could have been like, man, he, he finally got his. I ain't going back in there. He got his. He's going to die. But he didn't. And he goes back in and rescues the boy. And he saves him. And the story goes on. And so at any time, Clark Kent, he could have been, I'm done. But instead, what does he do? He extends grace to a kid that didn't necessarily deserve to have grace. You know, everyone is confused by grace. Yet everyone is drawn 
to grace. See, grace is something that's hard to really explain. Grace is something that's hard to really wrap your arms around because it's something that you don't really deserve. You know, Paul talks about this grace. When he writes to the church in Colossae, he writes to encourage the Christians. He tells them at the end of the book, at the end of the letter, that we need to be wise in the way that we act toward outsiders. And Chris talked about this a little bit last week. We need to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders, which means those who are not Christians. You know, Paul told the church in Colossae that we need to that we need to be really, really wise in how we act toward these outsiders and that we need to make the most of every opportunity. And in Colossians chapter four, verse six, Paul tells us how we should respond toward these outsiders. He gives us the blueprint of how we should have these conversations with outsiders. Okay, so let's check it out. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. And just like Chris talked about last week, conversations are the key to connection. And isn't that true? You know, if you want to feel close to someone, it takes initiating a conversation. It's hard to feel close to someone through texting. Isn't that true? And I think we, we could kind of, in our society, we've become so disconnected in having actual conversations with people because of technology. And we miss out on actually being able to connect and look eye to eye with someone. And that's why our, our, our relationships very often are not very deep and are not very connected. You know, whether it's with your spouse or your girlfriend, connections, conversations are the key to connection. Let's look back at the verse. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. You know, I think as Christians, sometimes we can lean a little bit more into the seasoned with salt aspect of conversation because, you know, we're, we're, as Christians, we love the truth, don't we? We love the truth. We love, you know, Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. We love the truth. But Paul here, he's, he, he kind of makes it in a different way because remember his audience, what he's talking about, the context is how we're supposed to have conversation with those who are outsiders, okay? So we're gonna, we're gonna dig into a little bit of this concept of always full of grace, seasoned with salt. You know, confrontations in relationships can sometimes build the ice around the heart. Can you relate to that? And, and, and conversations, are they always easy? No, they're not. Is, is, is conversations with your spouse, are they always just lovey-dovey and everything's great? If they are, please come talk to me. I'd love to hear your secret. 
But see, I believe if you're a human being and you have conversation, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always just going to go natural. You know, the process of conversations can be very messy. But as we begin to chip away at the ice, that's where we can get to the heart. As we chip away at that ice, as we have conversations with each other, the heart becomes exposed. The ice starts to break away, so therefore we can have a true relationship. You know, conversations can be difficult at times. Who in here had a difficult conversation this past week? A lot of the teens. That's because you're home now during the day. You know, it's funny because in our house, it's like, oh, we can't wait till the summer. The kids are going to be home. It's going to be great. And it's great. It's awesome. But then in the back of your mind, you're going, so when does school start back again? <laughs> Parents, can you relate to that? When is school starting back up again? Because <sighs> those are the, the conversations are happening in the house. And they're not always pretty. Sometimes they're messy. You know, here it says, if the goal is to get to someone's heart, then a conversation is where we have to start. Let's say that together. If the goal is to get to someone's heart, then a conversation is where we have to start. So let's talk about this. Seasoned with salt. Let's dig into this. Full of grace. I think we're pretty good at one and not so good at the other in many cases. So we're going to talk about the one first that we're not so, that actually we're, that we're actually good at. We're going to talk about the one first that we're actually pretty good at. And that is seasoned with salt. Now, a couple, couple of months ago, I did a message talking about how we need to be the salt of the earth and how I talked about how the salt was used to preserve, it was used to keep foods from going rotten back in the biblical days. And salt was a very important commodity to help things last longer. And see here in the scriptures, the Bible says that we need a season with salt. You know, you think about, you know, different food. Who in here likes a good steak? Anybody like a good steak? Who in here likes soup? Anybody like soup? You know, typically when I, ha- when I eat a steak or I have some soup, I'm going to just put some salt on it, right? You probably do the same. You want to season it a little bit. And that's natural. But what if you had to eat a bowl of salt? How would that taste? <laughs> Salty. What if, what if, you know, dinner comes along, the teens are coming, they're hungry, they've been out all day, and, and mom there, and there's a bowl of salt. You know, it's your birthday, and you just have a salt cake. How is that going to go down? It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very nasty to start eating a bowl, a bowl of salt. It's, it's going to taste really, really bad. You know, sometimes our conversations 
we can, we can be like that. Where we're all about salt. Instead of being seasoned with salt, we can be a salt dump. And we're, we're, salt, we're salt shakers. Everywhere we go, we're just shaking salt everywhere we go. Because we love the truth, right? And that's kind of the culture of our church throughout the decades. Because we love the truth. We've been people that love God's truth. But the concept here is to season with salt. There's a difference between seasoning with salt and salt dumping. Okay, are you following me here? You know, tr the truth, it will prevent our lives from going rotten. As we read God's word, the truth, won't it prevent our lives from going bad? That's why God gave us his word. He gave us some instructions. He gave us some, some, some great rules and great uh, things to follow so that our lives won't go crazy. But it's interesting, as Jesus walked the earth, and we'll talk about this toward the end, is that Jesus understood the concept of always full of grace and seasoned with salt in his own conversations with people. You know, Paul, Paul says, I don't think that we should be leading with the salt. He starts with saying, we need to be full of grace and then seasoned with salt. And there's a reason why he did that. Think about this. Let me get caught up here. Sorry about that. You know, Paul writes to us in Colossians here, in this, in this passage, where is he writing us from? He's writing us from prison. Why was Paul in prison? For preaching the truth. So I, I, don't want, I don't want you guys to think, well, what are you saying? We don't need to tell people the truth? No, that's not what Paul's saying, because Paul was actually in prison for preaching the truth. But I think we can learn from Paul's example here how he talks to us about leading with grace first, then seasoning the conversation with salt. You know, that's, the way, that's gonna be the way to reach people's hearts. You know, I think about in, in, in my life. You know, there was a time uh, we were living in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was preaching this, this particular afternoon, and I had to get there early because I was doing the music and preaching, and I, I get, I'm on my way, and I get pulled over by a cop. And I'm on my way to preach, at church. And so you know how cops do. You know, they're like, so where are you going? I'm going to church. And I have my Bible in, my, in the passenger seat. And he goes, okay, um, why, why were you going so fast? I said, you know, I'm, I'm running late, officer. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to church. He's like, yeah, right. You know how many times I've heard that, sir? I'm like, no, really. There's my Bible. I'm going to church. And so what did he do? He went ahead and gave me what I deserved. No grace. 
He gave me all salt. He gave me all salt. And it didn't feel good, but you know, it's what I deserved. So let's talk about full of grace. What is grace? It's something that's freely given, unmerited favor. You know, grace is like an oxymoron. It's like jumbo shrimp. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, grace is, you, you, you get something that you don't deserve. Okay, that, that's, that's the definition of grace. You know, fairness is getting exactly what you deserve. Grace is not getting what you deserve. Do you see in our society today, do you see in high schools, do you see at your workplace, do you see in our communities grace being acted out? No. Why? Because we live in a world that operates on fairness. If you do this, guess what happens? You get this. If you do this, then you get this. And, that, that, and that's how we live our lives. You've never heard the story. Maybe you have heard the story of the salesman. Are there any salesmen here? Yes, there's a few salesmen. I used to be a salesman. Have you ever heard the story of the salesman where he had missed his quota four quarters in a row or three quarters in a row? Missed his sales quota three quarters in a row. And he goes, he gets a call from his boss and he says, I need you to come in 8 a.m. in the morning on, on uh, Friday. We're going to have a meeting. The guy goes, okay. We're gonna, I, so he goes in, meets with his boss, hasn't met his quota in three quarters. And the boss says, you know what? I know you haven't met your, your quota in three quarters, but I'm going to give you a raise. And I'm going to promote you to sales VP of the company. Have you ever heard that story happen? No. That would be grace. Does our society understand grace? No. Or for the high school students. Have you ever heard the story of a kid who missed a lot of school and had a 2.1 GPA, had a, a cumulative SAT score of 600, basically signed his name at the top of the page. And then after getting, you know, after getting the SAT score back, he gets a letter from Harvard saying, in spite of your SAT score, in spite of your 2.1 GPA, we're giving you an academic scholarship to Harvard. Have you ever heard that story before? Why? That would be grace. Yeah, that would be weird. That's true. It would make the news because that's so not how we operate. You know, even, even in, in uh, music, we understand this. When was the last time someone broke up with Taylor Swift and didn't have a song written about him? If you break up with Taylor Swift, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have a number one hit written about you. Because that's what is fair. <laughs> Can you imagine what the world would be like if it understood grace? Let's break it down, not the world. Let's, 
What if your, your household, what if your, your family, what if your kids, you break it down, operated like this? Leading with grace rather than leading with truth. Truth is important. But the way to someone's heart is not always through truth. The way to someone's heart is through grace. How do you break down the ice? The ultimate icebreaker is grace. Because if we can operate and lead with grace in our homes, lead with grace with our children, not lead with the laws and the rules and expectations that we set. Although those are important, we can flip-flop them. If we lead with grace and understanding and acceptance, that's gonna open up the heart so we can sprinkle and season with salt. Not pour the whole salt shake on it, but just to sprinkle some of the truth in there. Sprinkle God's word in there with our fellow outsiders. You know, think about in your marriage. Say you're having a bump. You guys are just not getting along. And the truth, boy, you're just, you're just ugh, you want to say the truth of how you're feeling. But instead, you lead with grace. And in the bump, you be the one that apologizes first. But no, 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 I got to say what I think. I'm hurt. I feel bad. No, let me, let me be humble. Let me lead with grace. Because guess what? When you lead with grace, it draws people. It draws relationships together. When we lead with the law, what happens? It can be, there can be resistance. I'll share a personal, personal story. I'd become a Christian back in 1990. I was a sophomore in college at the University of Miami. And go heat, by the way. Wow, there's no, no, not very many heat fans here. Well, let me spur you on to, <laughs> toward loving good deeds. Ha, ha, ha. Um, so anyway, so i just become a disciple. I was 19 years old, and I go home for the summer. And home was Dallas, Texas. And, and I'm fired up. I'm a young Christian. I'm like, man, I have been saved. I am right with God now. And I had my, my big old Bible and my sword, you know. This and I, get, I get home, and I'm like, all right. Let me start slicing and dicing with the word of God. Can you relate to that? Any of you relate to that? And I was, I was fired up, man. I was like, man, I'm preaching the word, dog. I'm laying it out. I'm like, you, you haven't been living right. 
To all my friends, you haven't been living right. They're like, well, you were just with us like six months ago. You know, what are you talking about? But I, I, was, I was coming at them with the truth. I came at my parents with the truth. I came at my older brother with the truth. Blood everywhere. And it took years to repair those relationships. Years that we could actually have a civil conversation about God because I was so judgmental. I was so pharisaical. And I'll talk about that in a second in one of the last passages we read. I, I was so full of truth that they missed the whole point of grace and acceptance and understanding. See, I led with truth. Now, the truth is the truth is the truth. But the Bible says, be wise in how you act towards outsiders. Be wise. I was not someone that was wise. I had a lot of zeal, but not a lot of wisdom. Can you relate to me with that? You know, think about going back to the husband and wife. Think about, you know, you're, you have a disagreement in your relationship. You're not, you're not seeing eye to eye on things. And, and um, you know, and you want to go play golf tomorrow. Husbands, maybe your wife, I don't know. But husband, you want to go play golf. It's Saturday, you know, it's going to be Saturday tomorrow. And, and you had a big bump. And instead, typically what would happen so you can feel good about going to play golf, you're going to go ahead and do the dishes the night before, because he, so you can say, honey, I, I did the dishes, can I play golf tomorrow? And usually, because you did a good deed right there, you know, the wife will go, yeah, yeah, that's cool. What about leading with, instead of trying to get something that you want, husbands, just be, do it, and not look for anything in return. You follow me, right? And there's no amens on that. Okay, so let me... <laughs> Instead of trying to manipulate and get what we want, and we're good at it, aren't we, guys? Okay, we're good at it. Instead of trying to manipulate our wives to get what we want or to buy what we want, just serve her, not looking for anything in return. Let me tell you something. When you do that, she'll probably say yes to anything you want because she'll be on the floor and flabbergasted <laughs> that you, you chose to serve her and not ask for anything. Same with teens. Teens love to ask for stuff. Can I, can I have, can I, can I buy me this, buy me that, buy me this, buy me that? Why not serve, serve your parents? And the parents said, Serve your parents. Look for ways to help them. I guarantee, just, just trust me, okay? It'll work. Look for ways to help your mom and dad, to help them. And I guarantee it, 
Mom and dad will be like, let's go, let's go shopping. Let's go, let's go buy you something. Let me take you out for lunch. I guarantee it, that'll happen. But if you're always, can I have this? Can I have that? They're gonna say, no, no, no. Do you relate to that? Let's lead with grace when it comes to those relationships. <laughs> All right, let's close it up here. And I shared this earlier. Grace is the mechanism that opens the door for us to be able to season with the truth. And Jesus' conversations were always like this. You know, and we want to be like Jesus. Here in the Lighthouse Church, we want to imitate how Jesus did things. So let's take a look here at a passage in John chapter 8 that demonstrates how Jesus led being full of grace and seasoned some salt in there. John 8 verse uh, 3 says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Now, let's stop here. The teachers of the law, these were the salt shakers of the time. These guys were always about, are you obeying the law? Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Did you do that? The Pharisees, they were all concerned about, did you follow this rule? Did you follow this rule? And here, they found a woman caught in the act of adultery. I mean, that's pretty intense. And so what happens? They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? See, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the ones that were so concerned about the, the truth and the law, they were trying to catch Jesus and confuse him. And they're quoting the scripture. He says, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, you think Jesus, you think Jesus knew the law? Jesus wrote the law. Do you think Jesus, Jesus was there at the burning bush when Moses was talking to the bush. Jesus was there. So do you think Jesus knew what the law was? Of course. And so the Pharisees asked him, so now what do you say? It says, Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. You know, many scholars have tried to figure out what was it that he wrote you know, maybe he was writing, good grief, these guys are idiots. <laughs> you know, maybe he was writing, grace. Maybe he was writing, you know, who knows what he was, salt. I don't know. Maybe Who knows what he was writing? But nonetheless, it says, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And at this moment, those keepers of the law who were so focused on doing what was right and making sure everyone else was doing what was right, they began to put down their, their stones because they realized they hadn't been. They, they, they probably thought, man, I'm busted. Jesus busted me right here. 
yeah, I've sinned. So I, I, guess, I guess I can't. And they probably realized that even though they were trying to tell everybody else to keep the law, they realized they, they weren't even keeping their own law that they were telling everybody else to keep. What is that called? Hypocrite. Hypocrisy. So check it out. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? You know, Jesus puts everyone on an even playing field right here. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what do we like to do as people? We love to compare ourselves with each other. We like to say, well, I'm not like that, you know, I'm not like that person. I'm not like Jeffrey Dahmer. We always seem to pick the guys that are, you know, ax murderers, you know, well, I'm not like that. But see, Jesus puts everyone on an even playing field. He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Because they realize, hey, we've all sinned as well. You know, this story may, may be hitting you right between the eyes. Maybe right now you're living a life like this woman. Maybe you're living a life in adultery and it's like hitting you right between the eyes right now. Or you're, you're contemplating it. The person at work, flirtatious with you. And there's an opportunity for you to just take, step over the line where it becomes very, very unhealthy and very, very close to the fire. But look how Jesus responds here. Or she says, no one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. You know, Jesus had every right to throw stones at this girl. Because why? She, she broke the law. She broke the law. So she, according to the law, that's what she, she uh, uh, had coming to her, that she should be stoned. But Jesus was full of grace. Was she guilty? Yes, he was guilty. And she was caught in the act. See, a lot of us go, well, I, you know, if you come clean first, it's better. And, 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 and I would have to agree with that to a degree. You know, it is better just to come forward and say, hey, man, this is what I've done. But here's a woman, she got caught. Can you relate to this? Ever been caught sinning? Ever been caught in a lie? Ever been caught doing something you shouldn't be doing? You can relate right here to this woman that was caught in adultery, yet Jesus still had grace on her and didn't condemn her. That's power. You understand that? That's powerful. Jesus didn't condemn her. What would our church do? What would your church do if something like this happened? We'd be like, oh my gosh, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. See, Jesus said, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. Full of grace. Grace, the ultimate icebreaker. And then he sprinkles in some salt. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and live your life of sin. 
go now and leave your life of sin. He sprinkles in some salt. He had a lot of grace before, full of grace. And then at the very end, go now and leave your life of sin. Do you see how Jesus did that? That's powerful. And she went on and, and, you know, we don't know much about what she did, but I think Jesus knew what he was doing. Don't you? So Jesus dealt with the heart. His way to the heart was through conversation and leading with grace. He said, I don't condemn you. His, her heart probably just went, I don't condemn you. But I deserve, yes, but I don't condemn you. Just imagine how she felt. Okay, what, what, what do you want me to do? What do I need to do to repay back? You're, you're, I, I should be dying. I should be dead right now. He says, go and leave your life of sin. And he says the same thing to us right now. You know, I believe people that are around us, people that are in our community, what's gonna help them experience God's grace is through my grace. See, we can be very judgmental people, can't we? We can think things are, should be help, dealt with in a certain way. But see, people can help see God's grace when we pour out grace on others. Now, I know some of you in here be going, well, what about the truth? What about the, we're not saying to not deal with the truth. All we're saying is to consider how the apostle Paul did it and how Jesus did it. To lead full of grace with one another and seasoned with salt. Season your conversation with some truth. Don't lead with truth and go bam, 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 bam toward outsiders. Lead with grace. And that will open up people's hearts to be able to hear the truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's icebreakers. Part two, the ultimate icebreaker. So what we're going to do right now, what we're going to do right now is we're going to have a song, okay? Uh, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing Amazing Grace, okay? Uh, and then we're going to see two people that have had conversations and they've heard the grace of God and they've heard some seasoning of salt and the truth and they're going to be baptized right after we sing this song, Amazing Grace. Let's pray. Stay.